Okay. Okay. Are we good to go? Yeah, I've still got to mute everybody here. Hold on. Oh, okay. Or everybody just mute themselves. Yeah, and then we'll keep you muted. Okay. Yeah. We're going to jump in, guys. We're going to start with the set-aside prayer. I'll just read it for us. Follow along if you know it at home. God, please set aside everything that I think I know about myself, my unmanageability, my spiritual path, and you for an open mind and a new experience of myself, my unmanageability, my spiritual path, and especially you. Thanks for taking the steps with us. My name is David. Uh, I'm an alcoholic, and with me are my two co-chairs. Other alcoholics? David, alcoholic, drug addict. This is not a fellowship, group, or a meeting, okay? Uh, instead, over these 12 weeks, we're in week two, we're going to take the 12 steps of recovery together, following the precise, specific, clear-cut directions in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Because this is not a fellowship group, anyone interested in the program recovery in the book is welcome to take the steps with us. Uh, some other information and ground rules, we're going to record the audio and share it with everyone in the WhatsApp group uh, via a podcast. Um, if you are not a part of the WhatsApp group, please put your name and phone number in the chat, either to everyone or you can just direct message me. That's totally fine. I will add you. Um, please commit to be here every week uh, and to staying on camera. Guys, if you're not on camera, we're going to keep asking to come on camera. We need you on camera. We're taking the steps. We got to be able to make eye contact here. There's no attendee comment portion in these studies, but we're going to field questions. Uh, we're going to read from the book and explain the steps for about 45 minutes or so, leaving time at the end to answer questions if we don't answer them along the way. Put those questions you have in the Zoom chat. If we don't answer them as we go or at the end, you know, we'll promise to follow up in the WhatsApp group or, or later, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, in phone or text or something. If you, anyone is really struggling with the concept as we do these steps each week, Please don't advance on being confused or struggling. Let us know. Even if you're embarrassed, I get it. Contact one of us, you know, direct message, and we will find time outside the meeting to help get you secure. Okay? Uh, some other people taking the steps with us here over these 12 weeks, we know well, and they've had a spiritual awakening, so we may ask them to talk to you too, you know, if David or Heather and I can't make it work. Um, and we're not the official big book experts or gurus. We're going to share our experience and knowledge from our study of the book and, and the, so many speakers and recordings of people who came before us that, you know, we've listened to like crazy. Uh, we have a dictionary person. Sam Alcoholic. That's Sam. She's going to help us with key definitions along the way out of a 1938 dictionary. Okay. So that, we're going to jump right in today. We're studying step two which fortunately is going to start with a little confirmation of our understanding of step one, but I'm going to read step two. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Right. So based on that, we're going to start in the chapter, We Agnostics, first paragraph on page 44. So right at the very beginning of the chapter. All right, everybody on 44. Okay, here we go. In the preceding chapters, you have learned something of alcoholism. We hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. If when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. We're coming out of step one, right, where we find out that we have no power, no choice, no control. These, this paragraph here is a great qualifying question for myself. It says, if you honestly want to. So this is to my innermost self. This is internal. Remember, guys, this illness is internal and the solution is an internal. That you find you cannot quit entirely means once I start, stop. Can I stay stopped? Because if I can stop on my own power, then just don't drink anymore. Just stop drinking. And then it says, or, and as I listen to speakers talk about the or, that is kind of a drunk trap because then I'm looking for the gray areas here. It's really not or. 
you know, so it says if when drinking, you have little control of the amount you drink. And then so if I can control the amount that I'm drinking, then just drink like I want to drink. Then I'm probably not alcoholic if I can control the amount I drink. That's not my story. Once I stop, I cannot stay stopped. And once I start, I have no power over the amount that I drink. So I am a real alcoholic. And the reason why I know I'm a real alcoholic is because I've studied the book up to this point. And I mean study. I don't mean read. It's one thing to read something, but this is a textbook. And the point of a textbook is to be meant to be read and studied. That's why it's important for me to have a big book sponsor, someone with some basic knowledge of this book who can take me through this work here. And David likes to use that term, and I do too. Take us through the steps. And how do we experience? Go ahead. um, You know, it says only spiritual experience will conquer. How do we do that, guys? Um, That's that's taking the rest of the steps, steps one through 12. That's going to take us to that spiritual experience. And I already messed up because we wanted to preempt getting into the reading because there's there's a couple really important words in this chapter. Right? There's the concept and the, and the words about atheism, atheists, and agnosticism, agnostics. So Sam's going to give us those real quick, and they may come up again as we study today. So Sam, you want to bring those? Yep. I got the definition for atheism, atheism from the 1938 dictionary. Um, it's the denial of existence of God. And then from that same dictionary... We have agnostic, a person who does who does not deny the possible existence of God, but holds that the existence and the actual origin of the universe are not known and cannot be known. Can you put those in the chat when you have a second, too? Because I think some people may want to copy paste those. Yes. So this this first paragraph coming right recapping step one because if if you you did the homework for last week and if you weren't here last week didn't do the homework we said read the doctor's opinion and then read Bill's story and there is a solution and more about alcoholism and this is a callback saying you've learned something if you've read this you know if you've read it and comprehended it and like David said work with someone who understands the book a big book sponsor to help explain it you probably came to the conclusion that you got the physical powerlessness and, and the mental powerlessness and that your life's unmanageable, right? That you self-qualify for the first step. And here on, here on, oh, I'm sorry, if you got to go, no. go ahead. So here on this panel, we like to take statements and turn it into questions. So that is the question that we talked about. If I honestly want to, I can I quit entirely? David, can you quit entirely? The answer is no. And then if you're drinking, do you have any, David, do you have any control over the amount that you drink? The answer is no. One more statement here that I want to turn into a question, which refers to what Heather brought up. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. David, do you believe that only a spiritual experience will conquer this? Because if I think on my own power, somehow that I will be able to beat this game someday. So here's the question. Is God necessary? I need to ask ask that question right now, but I don't have to answer that question right now. That is the wonderfulness, the wisdom of Bill that we're going to take this work here. Because when we get to the next couple of pages, he's going to ask us some, some other questions. And we're going to have three questions in the second step that we're going to answer. And I think they're, they're going to bring us closer to that power. So if we conclude to David's point, what our real problem is, because now we understand it, powerlessness, let's take that, let's put a very fine point on this. We're going to jump to the next page. Page 45, first full paragraph. This isn't highlighted. Please get ready to highlight or underline. Lack of power, powerlessness, lack of power. That was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a, italics, a power greater than ourselves. Obviously. We're going to come back to that word. But where and how were we to find this power? So some really important stuff here. This could not be a finer point. Step one, powerless, physically and mentally. That's the crux. We spent so much time talking about that in step one. So Bill coming back, yes, lack of power. That's our dilemma. That is our problem. That is our circumstance. Have to find a power by which we could live. And at the end, it's going to say where and how we're going to find this power. Good news. As we keep reading, we're going to tell you exactly where and how to find. We're not going to say it quite yet and keep you in suspense. It had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. Why obviously? Why greater than me? 
because I went through life trying to outmuscle and outthink and outrun and outbargain and outnegotiate my problems as it related to alcohol and other drugs, and I failed. And because my own human reliance, my self-reliance failed me, but so did the reliance of all other people around me. Doctors, lawyers, judges, friends, parents, kids, lovers, spouses, partners. Who are all the people that said, dude, knock it off? And I said, I cannot. I need something bigger than human. That's why it's obvious. It's obvious because if I self-diagnose from the first step and I'm without power, powerless, humans can't fix me, I better find something that can fix me. Um, I have about... the. I'm sorry, Sam, go ahead, please Sam. Go. I have the definition for power: lack of the ability to influence the behavior or course of events. I didn't have the ability or the influence to change my behavior, my addiction, um, drowning in the bedevilments on page fifty-two. I did not have the power or um, to live a free life. And uh, this is what this is talking about. We had to find a ability to influence the behavior or course of events by which we could live. It had to be a power greater than ourselves. What I love about Sam, she takes that definition and changes it, takes that word out, and it gives us the definition of the word, which then makes it really clear for me because lack of power was our dilemma. Lack of what? Lack of willpower. We're, this is not dealing with our, my addiction effectively. That's not what they're talking about here. We're talking about the dealing with our unmanageability because the sentence prior to that lack of power was our dilemma. says our human resources, that is my, my mind and my body, are marshaled by the will. Bill's making a transition here from the mind and body to now we're talking about lack of willpower here. This is our problem. This is the second half of the first step that we're talking about here. And we had to find a power greater, uh, power by which we could live. Now, I don't know about you guys. I'm pretty certain that I do if you're on this meeting here. I wasn't living any life of any quality whatsoever before, before I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Or Cocaine Anonymous or whatever A you're in. Today I am. It had to be a power greater than ourselves. Italic writing, we know this is so important. We pay attention to italic writing. And here's the first question in the second step. But where and how are we to find this power? Remember, there's three questions in the second step here in this reading. And again, we're not going to be a spoiler alert. There is a spoiler here. Go we're going to, Bill's going to answer this question. It's not going to be for a few more pages, but it's in the book. So we're going to switch to 46 now. We're going to hop one page ahead. We're going to start on the first full paragraph. And here's one of the most beautiful parts of the book, you know, and how it works reading. It talks about, you know, it's almost we, we wanted the easier, softer way. We like easy. We like soft. We like instant gratification. The book's going to tell us in four paragraphs in a row how easy, my words, it is to begin to court this power, to begin to have the payoff of the 12th step, the spiritual awakening. Watch the language here, and we're going to point it out. So first paragraph from 46. Yes, we of agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. We skipped the paragraph before. What those thoughts are is, how can there be like a helpful God with all the bad stuff that happens in the world? So we've had those kinds of thoughts. Let us make haste to reassure you. Let us quickly reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results. Even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. I read the second step at the top of the, of the, of the call came to believe that a power greater than ourselves came to believe. But what is this paragraph telling us? It isn't even telling me I have to believe. It's saying, if I can lay aside some prejudice, lay aside some old thinking, and express, think, say, a willingness to believe. I don't have to believe in a higher power. I have to be willing to believe. 
I'm going to commence, I'm going to begin to get results. What results are we talking about here? The beginning of the spiritual awakening. It starts right here with just the willingness to believe, guys. It's not a waterfall moment when I get to step 12 that, boom, I have a spiritual awakening. For most of us, it's gradual. I'm sorry, we had that in the um, homework for last week, too. I forgot. We also said to read Appendix 2. If you didn't do that, read Appendix 2 this week. Yeah. My willingness to believe starts me on my widening of spiritual awakening. Sam, you want to jump in with our... I'm sorry, Heather. I was just going to have Sam give us the definitions of words like prejudice. I know she had them and a, maybe a couple others for this. Um, I only had prejudice. Um, okay. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside opinions formed without due knowledge or examination mm. and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves. Thank you, you know, Sam. Real quick, for an example on that is like... Um, uh, the idea of I, I I've never had fish before. I, I smell the fish. I, I I'm like, oh my gosh! I I am not putting that in my mouth. It, I'm I'm judging an experience I've not yet had. And then I I go and I put that in my mouth and I find out, oh my gosh, this fish is actually great. So um, but it's that uh, judging that it's not going to be good before I even try it. Um, and what I was going to say is, why does it say yes? We have agnostic temperament we of agnostic temperament. You know, we all come here. Uh, I've been to church my whole life, but I don't have this God knowing, right? Because agnostic, if you break that down, it comes from the Greek word um, ag, without gnosis, knowing, without knowing. Um, I, I was trying to think of an example. It's like uh, my kid just started, uh, you know, when my kid started sixth grade, the teacher had never met her before. She, she had this knowing of her name, you know, this is her name. She can look through her records, kind of have a little bit of a, um, you know, this book knowledge of who she is, but this is a heart knowing by the time she gets to the end of the year, she has this, this better knowing of my daughter. And, and it's going to talk about how, by the time we get to the end here in this spiritual awakening, that we have this God consciousness, this God knowing, this is not a book knowing, this is a heart knowing of who God is. So now I'm no longer doing God, my will. I'm, I'm, I'm doing God's will throughout my day. And I have this, this God consciousness about what's God's will for me versus what's my will for me. And when I do that, I, I begin to have the freedom, if that makes sense. So, uh, Bill, so this is, why did Bill start out this? He says, we have agnostic temperament. Bill knows that 50% of the fellowship is of agnostic temperament or atheist. So Bill's done a really wonderful job here, if you really think about it. He has scrubbed the big book of any religious connotations, right? He has taken away any of those things that would maybe push us away and make us uh, not think of like, we want anything to do with this because it's religious in any form or fashion. So he also says that we have found that as soon as we're able to lay aside prejudice, so Sam gave us a great definition, another definition to prejudge, to, uh, um, to also say the, the lay aside. It says there to lay aside, not to throw away, but to lay aside these things. Why? Because we're going to let the spirit come in and lay these things aside as we're doing this work. So David started us out with, the set-aside prayer, where do you think that set-aside prayer comes from? It comes from the second step. So this is the let go of some of my old ideas. To think that I can manage my own life on my own power, these things, uh, such like this. So a preconceived thought is a prejudice, a preconceived opinion, things that I've learned from my past. I'm not saying the religious people are wrong. They are right. The book tells us that. But I got to lay these things aside and then let this power come into my life and then set it aside. Go ahead, Sam, please. Um, I'm almost seeing this sentence um, as uh, two conditions followed by a promise. And this is followed by a definition of commence as well. Um, so the first condition, as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice, second condition, express a, even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves promise we commenced commenced is uh carry out the first step of action we commenced to get results the spiritual awakening yes sam is bang on here guys again we're taking the steps together right now everybody 
in the moment, taking step two, whether you've done it before or you're doing it for the first time, this is kind of a requirement. If you want to know, I mean, your sponsor may drill you about it to, to get your comprehension, but it's to asking to myself, I'm saying, how do I know if I'm proceeding in taking the second step and comprehending it? Here's, here's a requirement. Am I willing to lay aside prejudice? And am I willing to believe? Not do I believe yet, but am I just willing to believe? And if I can answer yes to both those things, that I'm going to work my tail off to lay aside prejudice. And yeah, I'm willing to believe. I don't know if I believe, but I'm willing. Guess what? I'm on my way. Everybody's got to ask themselves that question right now. Here's the beautiful part. Let's go to the next paragraph. We're going to continue to see how easy it is to get better when what? When I get out of the way. Much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to affect a contact with him. Think about what Sam was just saying about conditions and then outcomes. As soon as we admitted the possible existence, possible existence, guys, we don't have to admit the existence, just the possibility of the existence of a creative intelligence, capitalized, a spirited universe, underlying the totality of things, capitalized. We began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction provided we took other simple steps. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It's open, we believe, to all men. Guys, two paragraphs in a row in this chapter to most of us, to agnostics, to atheists, it's saying again, if I can just admit, this is another requirement, ask yourselves, do I admit the possible existence do you believe that I believe? Are you willing to believe that I believe? Then I begin to be possessed with a new sense of power and direction, provided I take some other steps, provided I keep doing the work. My spiritual awakening, two times in two paragraphs, says I'm going to start to get spiritually awakened if I just consider the possibility. So, so it's talking about there that our own conception, however inadequate. And it's going to be inadequate. Why is that? It, but it's okay, they're telling us also. But why is that? Because I cannot, under, if I have an understanding of God, then he's not infinite. And the definition of infinite is no beginning and no end. So there's no real description of how I can, or definition of how I can define what infinite really is because I can't relate to it. I'm finite. But then it talks about as soon as I admit we're, of the possible existence of a creative intelligence. And David pointed out the capital letters there, meaning he's using synonyms of what a power greater than himself is there. And the word intelligence in that sentence means the function of the mind. And then creative is the function of the will to make decisions, to take action. So this is a creative intelligence going to help me make with the function of my mind and it helped me make decisions that are based on, on what his God's will is for me. And then the spirit of the universe. So I can, I can take all this stuff here that I'm learning about opening up my mind to the fact that there is a power because I came to believe just to believe that there's a power greater than myself. Why would I want to? So Nancy Finnegan always uses a statement. You cannot be in a good mood when you go to step two. And why is that? Because I have found out that I am powerless. For the rest of my life, I have no power, no choice, no control. The good news is this power that I tap into here will get between me and the drink and get between me and my unmanageability. That I won't have, it will solve my problem, which is my unmanageability. And think about when this was written in 1939, um, telling us that we get to come up with our own conception of God. This was absolute blasphemy, but you can't tell us alcoholics that you must believe my conception of God because it didn't work. So, so that was absolute genius and it works for us. Page 47, next paragraph. I said four in a row was going to tell us how easy this is if I get out of the way. More promises here. Top 47, when therefore... We speak to you of God. We mean your own, my own conception of God. Personalize this, guys. 
This applies, too, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Comes a warning. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. More promise. At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. And I know, Sam, you got a couple words here. Let me just, I'll wrap this up. You can jump in. Afterward, after we put aside some of that prejudice, right, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth. But if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. So I just want to say this again. Look at this. Three paragraphs in a row. It just says, if I'm willing to do the bare minimum, my spiritual awakening is going to grow. It keeps telling this. Because what does it mean to commence spiritual growth? It means I'm starting to get spiritually well. I'm starting to combat that, that unmanageability, that spiritual malady, because my laying aside prejudice... My willingness to believe. I'm planting that own, you know, I'm taking on like that little tiny mustard seed of possibility in my mind, that mustard seed of growth. And it's telling me three paragraphs in a row. If I just do this little bit, I'm going to start to get better. And by the way, here's some good news too. It's a little bit of a spoiler. The book is saying, I must lay aside prejudice. How effective am I going to be at that? So-so. But if I start walking up that steep hill, of trying to lay aside prejudice, and I earnestly do that, in my experience, God's going to get behind me. He's going to start pushing me and carrying me. But I must make that beginning effort on my own to lay aside that prejudice and take on this willingness to believe. What do you got, Sam? Um, I just wanted to point it out that the word prejudice is uh, said twice in three paragraphs, and I know that... Um, whenever Bill repeats himself, he doesn't usually like to repeat himself. And so when he does, it's very important to um, take note that laying aside prejudice and then expressing the willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves um, is uh, the two main key points here. Um, And then it said at the start, this is this was all we needed to commence the first step of action of spiritual growth to affect our first consciousness, our first awareness relation with God as we understood God. Beautiful. I think it's important to... No, go ahead, please. um, To ask yourself, what are my prejudices against God? You know, and and Mm -hmm. maybe list those down. Am I willing to let go of these? And David's point when he started out, he says, we mean our own conception of God. And he emphasized that with a lot of passion. Not the big books, not the big books, God, not my sponsors, God, not my parents, God, my own conception of God, however limited that might be. But what does my God need to be to, to Heather's point? My God needs to be all powerful. My God needs to be all knowing. My God needs to be on time. My God needs to be efficient, loving, caring. That's what my God needs to be. Why? Because I'm none of those things. So that's what my God needs to be. And Sam's point is so valid here. Bill does not repeat himself. He just doesn't do it. But in the next two pages, that's all he does is reemphasize and reemphasize and reemphasize that we got to let go of some of our old ideas, that we got to let go of our preconceived thoughts and our opinions if we're going to get to God. We need to do that in our own conception of God. This is David's point to the steep hill. How do I know where God can take me if I don't let go of some of my old ideas? He is taking me places that I can't even fathom. Dude, if you look at my life today, it's unbelievable. I never thought, I never even have a glimpse of what that looked like when I was a year sober. I'm 23 plus years sober today. I want more. I want to tap into more of this power. How free do you want to be, right, David? How free do you want to be? Yeah, we won't go sideways in soapbox. We're very capable of doing that. But lack of vision to how much better my, my life can be. Right? Well, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there in a later step and preach. 
fourth paragraph, I promise four in a row, telling me how easy it is to start to get close to God, to allow God back into our lives, to start to seek Him and get results. Important question here, guys. Again, if you're asking yourself, am I taking step two thoroughly and honestly? Or if you need to prove it to your sponsor, right? The way I make my sponsees prove it to me. Got to ask ourselves, got to ask myself, but one short question. Do I now believe? Or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? What an easy cop-out Bill is giving us. He's not even saying to move on to keep reading the book. I must say, I believe. Am I just willing to believe? Is Heather willing to believe that that fish was going to taste good? Just willing to believe. As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. On his way to what? On a way to a spiritual awakening, the entire purpose of 12-step recovery, irrespective of what fellowship you're in. Having had a spiritual awakening, right? The 12th step, that's our solution. And it starts here in the second step, spiritual awakening. It's been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. And guys, note the asterisk. Bottom of the page, please be sure to read Appendix 2 on Spiritual Experience. I said it earlier, if you didn't read Appendix 2 last week, or you couldn't quite wrap your head about it because you're inexperienced with spiritual concepts coming out of Step 1, go more homework. Read it this week again anyway, even if you read it last week, because I think you'll see it in a new light and new context this week. I think if we get to this point, we're still struggling to believe that there's a power greater than myself. So I'm, I'm sure none of you guys have been in the back of a cop car. Um, but I can say that I have. And uh, when I was in the back of that cop car with my hands behind my back, I sure believed in a power greater than myself at that moment. You know, there's a lot of powers greater than myself. I, I did not make these trees outside. Some other power greater than me made those trees. Um, so it's um, just that willingness to believe in that power greater than myself. And I have the definition for willing and the 1938 uh, dictionary definition is kind of funny with this one. Um, mm. Do I now believe or am I willing, even willing, ready to act, not being slow, lazy or reluctant to believe mm. that there's a power greater than myself? As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is ready to act or not be slow, lazy or reluctant about this matter. We emphatically assure him he is on his way. Hmm. So you Bill, know, set the, us up. <laughs> Go ahead, Heather. One of the examples that we always talk about in our little small group is, as, uh, you know, do I believe that David believes? Um, I believe that, that David believes in a power greater than himself. And, and, and that is a starting point for me. So Bill teed us up here, right? If, just like a, take a golf reference here. You put a tee in the ground, put your ball on it, get ready to tee up. Bill's teed us up. What? What has he talked about? If we're agnostic temperament or if we're atheist in any way or form, shape or form, we've studied up to page 47 and maybe we've now been able to lay aside prejudice. And David's point is so valid here. Do I now believe? And then he throws the word or in again, because he wants to open this thing wide up, roomy as broad as can possibly be. Do I, or am I even willing to believe that there's a power greater myself? Second question in the second step here, do I even believe that if you can say yes to that, you've taken the second step. That's what I've done here because the second step here, there is no action. It's a question. So the second and third steps are preludes for steps four through nine. Important point David just made, right? I hope you heard him. Those four paragraphs answer those questions. But let's keep charging forward. Page 50. We're going to look at paragraph one, two, three, four. So the bottom full paragraph. And again, we skipped a few pages. It's talking about different people, different ideas, and sort of how they're coming to God as they understand them, creative intelligence, spirit of the universe. So it begins with talking, referring to those people. Here are thousands of men and women. Worldly, indeed, they flatly declare 
that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, step two that we're talking about today, they came to it, to take a certain attitude towards that power, that's going to be step three we're going to talk about next week, and to do certain simple things, rest of the steps, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. Sam, please, revolutionary, if you don't have it already. Yep. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, remember we started today talking about that? I couldn't fix me. Other people couldn't fix me. They founded a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, they showed the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. Laying aside the drink question, guys, putting the alcohol to the side. They tell why living was so unsatisfactory. I'm sure Heather's going to bring us back to the bedevilments. They show how the change came over them when many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives. They present a powerful reason why one should have faith. Sam, did you have some words? Yeah. Um... They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. Revolutionary is a completion of a reoccurring cycle change in their way of thinking and living. And change also, um, the definition for uh, spiritual awakening, spiritual experience is change. And if we think back to last week when we went over page 27 with Roland and Dr. Young, you know, he, he said ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and a completely set of new conceptions and motives began to dominate them. Um. And then, yeah, going back to page 51, that unmanageability on page 52, look, look that over again. You know, I, I remember absolutely drowning in those bedevilments and, and how free do I want to be from that? You know, do, do I want to um, just have a little bit of my fear taken away, a little bit of my happiness, unhappiness taken away, a little bit of my relationships uh, getting better, or do I want to be free? Um in my experience, working this, these steps, it, it is surreal how free I, I can be by doing this. By the time I, I have that God consciousness by step 11. And this, is, this is the beginning of that. Middle of that paragraph, it says, after our definition of revolutionary change, and there will be a living thinking, that's what I must have. I must have what Heather just talked about on page 27. This must happen for me, and no human power can produce this. It says, in the faith... So I'm my own power. This is on my own power. This is, this is the result that I get. I get collapse and despair. And in the face of total failure, that's what I have is total failure when it comes to the illness of alcoholism. I'm not talking about the drink because later in the next page, it talks about put the drink aside. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about managing my own life and my own power. They found when I can lay aside all those things and when I can accept step two that I came to believe that there's a power greater than myself, this is a, this is the promise that I get to have. I will find a new power, peace, and happiness, and a sense of direction will start to flow in. That's the start. This is the beginning. This is what I'm starting to re receive already because I'm not running the show any longer. Later in the book, we're going to find out that doesn't work anyhow. And then it says that we meet a few simple requirements. Do the freaking work. Why wouldn't I want to do this work? Because I have a mind that tells me I can fix this. I can't fix a sick mind with a sick mind. But if I can lay aside, not give up, not put away, let the spirit come in and take that aside from me, then I have a chance. I, I am better than a chance. I have a opportunity here to receive power. And what Remember the last week? Take the steps and then carry the message. 
right? The steps really prepare us to do the real work. Remember last week when we talked about that cycle and David shared the uh, the screen sharing of, of the cycle. So so it talks about that in here. Sam said a revolutionary change. We need to break this this repeating cycle, this re- cycle of, of the unmanageability, those bedevilments, which fuels our mental obsession, which brings us to our first drink, which kicks in that physical allergy, takes us on that spree. We um, emerge remorseful, have this firm resolution never to use again. And then we're back to those bedevilments and, and we're, we're drowning again. And it goes over and over until we have this revolutionary change that it mentions here. And the next um, sentence, uh, once confused and baffled by the seeming futility, the seeming uselessness of existence, they show the under lying reason why they were making a heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. They show how the change, the spiritual awakening came over them. When many hundreds of people are able to say that consciousness, the awareness of presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. Faith is complete confidence complete trust, belief without proof of a higher power. I want to make one more comment, then we're going to go to page 53. Understand what's being said to us in this chapter. If you're still not wrapping your head around it. Do these easy things. Just be willing to think about something differently, and I will start to get better. And why? How do I know? Because this is hundreds. This is written a long time ago, because millions of people now have lives beyond their wildest dreams? Does that mean more money, a nicer house, a nicer car, a perfect marriage? Not necessarily, right? But it means I'm going to have a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction. That all that yucky stuff inside me is going to go away and I'm going to feel, think, and react better. But on to page 53, in the second paragraph, and Sam's going to have a brilliant definition of, of a word in here. When we became alcoholics, addicts, crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? What's crisis, Sam? Crisis. Uh, when we became alcoholics, crushed by self-imposed crisis, turning point of a disease when a change takes place, indicating either recovery or death. You we throw that up one so good, right? Hold on one sec. One more time. Give us that definition of crisis. Sorry, one more time. It's such a great one. The turning point of a disease when a change takes place indicating either recovery or death. And that goes back to the cycle that Heather was just talking about. It's either recovery or death for us. We were so confused and baffled by the seemingly uselessness of existence. Throw that up in the chat. It's either recovery or death. That's a real important one to write down. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe Sam can put all these in the WhatsApp group. Um, you know, later today, tomorrow, or something. So we're talking about and here. We became. Is... <laughs> real, real briefly here. Well, okay, real brief. Crushed by what kind of a crisis? Self-imposed. Not my boss. Not my wife. Not my family. Not my. Not my gender. Self-imposed crisis. Here's the third question in the second step at the bottom of the page. God either is or he isn't. What is your choice to be? Make a decision. Make a choice. Either is or he isn't. Do you need power? That's the question. Do I need power? The opposite of powerlessness is power. If I admit it to my innermost self, concede to my innermost self, that I'm a real alcoholic, I'm going to need power. I was just going to say that self-imposed crisis, this is kind of a preview for next week, uh, step three, um, kind of figuring out, you know, what's really going on here. So stay tuned if you want to learn more about that. 
we will work on for next week not stepping all over each other. So what happens is you got four passionate people talking about recovery. Page 55. And no, no, i got to say one more thing since I got that pregnant pause from you guys. What's the choice going to be? God is or he isn't. Do I want to get better or do I want to go on to the better end? What did we finish with last week, guys? The bottom of page 25, my second favorite page in the book because I lived it. I so related to it. Two alternatives. Here it's talking about a choice. I guess it's a choice. I don't know. I don't think there's much choice for me in this. I'm going to go on to the bitter end, blocking out the consciousness of my intolerable situation the best I can. Or I better accept spiritual help. And if I accept spiritual help, it means I'm going to get to God. He's going to fix me entirely. And he got, here's the other thing. God doesn't give me power. God gives me power, I end up like um, the emperor in Star Wars, wielding it badly. God uses the power he keeps for himself to fix my problems, all my problems. Page 55. This is paragraph. Big finish here. Woo, we're going to pay off. Second paragraph, right? What was the question we asked earlier? I'm going to go back to 45 for a second because I want to set this up here, guys. In 45, in the lack of power paragraph, the short one, it ended with, but where and how were we to find this power? Now we're going to let you in on the big secret. And it's only a secret until I get to page 55, and then it's here in black and white. Second paragraph. Actually, we were fooling ourselves. For deep down in every man, woman, and child, the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, like showy, you know, how cool I am, showing off my self-worth. By worship of other things, sex, money, false sense of power. But in some form or other, it's there. The fundamental idea of God is there. For faith in the power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. Sam, what do you got? Um, not a definition in here, but I want to go back to circle back to the definition of agnostic in here. Actually, we were fooling ourselves for deep down in every man, woman, and child, there's a fundamental idea of God. In my experience, I remember going to Sunday school and I got religion shoved down my throat. I knew, I felt God. I knew there was some sort of higher power out there. But a person who does not deny the possible existence of God, I didn't deny it, but I knew there was something out there. I just knew it wasn't for me and I had no knowledge of where it came from. But holds the holds that the actual origin of God are not known and cannot be known. I did not know what it was like to have this consciousness, this awareness of God. And I just have to be lay aside prejudice and be willing to believe that there's something out there to start to have this change in me. And again, and consciousness I, is oh sorry. Um, that's it. Sorry. God consciousness is this God knowing, right? So, um, I, I learned that to have this God knowing this God consciousness, this, this heart knowing I have to take action, which is going to come in the rest of the steps. So real briefly, cause we need to move on here. And I think this chapter does one thing for me more than anything else. What it really does for me is shows me how I don't believe so that I can believe. Mm. And hopefully by this time in page 55, I'm convinced of something that there's a power greater myself. And it gives me the answer that is the fundamental idea is deep down inside of every man, woman, and child. It's just blocked off. I have to face and be rid of these things. We'll get to that as we work to take us through these steps. Skip a paragraph. We're going to go to the fourth paragraph. Last one we're going to read today. David, you jump in on this one first. We can only clear the ground a bit. If our testimony helps sweep away prejudice, 
enables you to think honestly, encourage you to search diligently within yourself, and if you wish, you can join us on the broad highway, capital B, capital H. With this attitude, you cannot fail. What a promise. The consciousness of your belief is sure to come to you. What a promise. So when I sweep aside the prejudice, my, my preconceived thoughts and my opinions, and I have these two conditions, think honestly, and encourage you to search diligently where inside of me, then if you wish, you can join us on the broad highway of life. Where's the broad highway? Well, it's genuine humility, some honesty, a whole solid amount of honesty, and the spiritual road that I've never experienced before. And then it says, with this attitude, you cannot fail. Let the testimony of others be something to me, that this is what worked for them. I believe today that there's a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. And what we didn't talk about is Bill's description of what sanity looked like on page 37. You know, let's just real briefly, I'm going to go to that just real quick because we need to move on. We're getting to the top of the hour. But Bill's definition of insanity is this. And because in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and shame on the fellowship. I'm sorry, I'm going to do a little spanking here. We have definitions of insanity in the rooms, and they're not what Bill's talking about. Insanity, as it relates to the obsession, is what Bill's talking about. So first paragraph on page 37, whatever the precise definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. This is referring to Jim putting whiskey in his milk. How can such a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else? That is insanity. Want to be restored to insanity? Do the rest of the work. Ten step will remove. You'll be restored to the sanity. That's our experience. So I'm going to underscore one thing David said. The restoration of sanity is about my mental obsession. Remember in the doctor's opinion on Roman numeral 28 at the bottom. I cannot differentiate the truth from the false when I am unwell and it occurs to me to have a drink. I always believe the false. It's an insane decision that I can drink safely when I start drinking again. The restoration of sanity is I will now have wholeness of mind. I will have judgment and discernment and realization that I know what's going to happen to me if I pick up. But the greater promise we'll get to, David mentioned the 10th step, that I'm not even going to have to worry about it anymore. Because I'm going to be safe and protected and neutral. Sam, Heather, anything on this last one? Otherwise, we can start to... One of the things that David often does at our meetings is to tells us to all write down the, the 10 most insane things we've ever done. Think about the most insane things we've ever done. The the most insane thing I've ever done is, is to put a drink or a drug in my body cold, mm-hmm. stone, sober. And, and when I write that list, that, that is not usually on my list, you know, um, but that is the most insane thing that I do. Sam, you got diligent or diligently? I do. Um, encourages encourages you to search energetically within yourself. Then, if you wish, you can join us on the broad highway. So, one one minute of housekeeping. If if you're not already in our WhatsApp group, please put your name and phone number in the chat before you split today, so that I can add you. Get your name and, and tell me what um, country you're coming from too. It's easier for me to set it up on my phone. We got five minutes left. Questions, guys, on what we covered today. Questions, please don't be afraid or embarrassed if you don't understand one of the concepts, one of the words. We're taking the steps together as a group to make sure we understand this and we start to get better. Questions, you can come, you can raise your hand at this point. Stacy, should come off mute. There you are. I don't actually have a question about any of this, um, other than Sam's going to put definitions in the WhatsApp yes. chat, right? Because I really, 100%. I really like looking at it that way, and I never have. So it that is, wow. Um, I just want to make sure you address the time change. Yes, thank you. I was good just reminder. about to put it in the chat, and you called me. So good announcement. So it's daylight savings here in North America. So that means next Saturday, the UK meeting will, it'll be one hour 
earlier because we're five hours instead of six. I'll send it in the thing. So I think you guys will start it. That'll be noon, right? Because we'll only be five hours apart. Noon UK time. And I guess that affects the Thailand people too. 12 hours instead of 13. Thank you, Stacy. Questions? Reminders about daylight savings? Anybody else? <laughs> Sam's going to put the definitions in and we'll post the recording later today, tomorrow, something like that. All right, everybody took step two. Make we sure homework. Oh, wait, wait. Sorry, we do have a couple questions. Joni? Hi. <clears throat> I just want to, um, just it's just something that hits home every time. And um, Heather, um, I'm blessed enough that you you bring this up so often. And that is about the bedevilments. And until we do have that spiritual awakening, um, and to concentrate on his ways and not my own. Um, it's my only way to peace instead of the constant confusion, self-imposed problems, and self-imposed chaos. So I just wanted to say that that is something that I, I personally think about every day. Thank you. Caroline? Yeah. What is the homework, please? Yeah, Homework. Read the entire chapter, We Agnostics, since that's what we were dwelling in, but skipped a lot. There's a lot of other good stuff that makes it good continuity. And read Appendix 2. And as you're going through, I would read We Agnostics, and then I would read Appendix 2, and then I would go back into We Agnostics and answer those questions. And one of us will put in WhatsApp those questions that we need to answer as a part of taking step two. We were calling them out here today, and of course you can hear them in the recording, but we'll put them in black and white. I think another good part to, to really focus on while you're reading this is something we didn't cover, which is at the bottom of page 45 and the top of page 46. Um, and it, it, when you read it, to ask yourself, are these any of my barriers? You know, what, what are my prejudices? And and they give a lot of good examples and stuff that we didn't read. And to anything that you're reading in this chapter, if it's something that you can turn into a question, Turn it into a question. Answer those questions honestly. What was the page numbers again, Heather? For the barriers is the bottom of page 45 and the top of page 46. Thank you. And I, I want to repeat again, if anybody, there's no fear here. There's no shame. There's no embarrassment. But if you just can't raise your hand, bring up a question about something, guys, send us a direct message. Um, you can message me directly or David or Heather, you know, sort of best females to females, males to males, just for everybody's comfortable. Um, and if, if you don't want to talk to me or David, no problem. We'll line you with another guy. If you don't want to talk to Heather, no worries. We'll line you with another, another woman. It's okay. We will not be heard. Um, but don't suffer in silence. Oh, Patsy question. Um, yeah, sorry to repeat my, like, I'm, I'm not repeating myself, but I'm asking, um, Sam, if she could give us the definition of crisis again, please. Yeah. Because I such thought a that was one. really good. Oh, no, momento. It's oh, in here. Sam's already ahead of us. Put those definitions in to the chat. Thank you. Crisis, turning point of a disease when a change takes place. Indicating either recovery or death. I'll also put that in the WhatsApp. That one's not in the one that I just sent. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Okay. As you across the pond would say. Awesome. Okay, everybody mute up again. Uh, I'm going to lead us out with the third set prayer. It's on page 63, if you're not familiar. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Oh, and sorry, Emily, I missed. You got a question? Sorry, I started to pray out before I noticed. I'm sorry, but I can uh, unmute my phone. Um, Obviously, I'm over in England. Um, what's the, what's the uh, appendix? Um, Which appendix to read? Is appendix two? 
It's on page 567 called Spiritual Experience. Right. Very short, page and a half, short and powerful. Never ever that being used over there. So it's, what is it, 557? 567. If you have a third we'll edition, that as well. Six, and the reason why we're doing that is because Bill references it three different times with asterisks on page 25, 27, and 45. So that's why we want to, what are we talking about? Why is he doing that? So we read that. Great. Got it, yeah, you bet. Thank you. All right, everybody. We prayed it out. David, I think you can stop the recording.